At the root of marital, family, or household conflict is a broken relationship that requires resolution, repair, or even restoration. But no one's signing up for the long-term conflict that most of us end up with when lawyers and courts are involved. We're changing the status quo through transformative mediation and leadership, which feels more like you're being handed a refreshing glass of water in the middle of life's most difficult moments. Say yes to the most effective conflict resolution strategy that transforms everyone who chooses its path. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dear Family Courts Podcast. My name is Lisa Welter and I'm your host and the founder of the Catalasso Group. Let's get started. Guys, it's good to be with you. And I have my friend Jen Knezny with me today who is really joining as a co-host. And so I just want to welcome you, Jen. Thank you for saying yes to stepping into the podcast with me for this new series. Thank you, Lisa. I'm super excited to be here. Just um, really energized by everything we've been working on. And I'm really excited to just bring people into our, our conversation and our world and what we're creating. So this is, it's really good to be here. Yeah. Well, and for those that are listening in, Jen and I are friends. You know, we have come out of a similar ministry environment. She comes from a legal background. I've come out of nonprofit and church world, and it's been just kind of this meeting of a mind. So, you know, really just to kick off the conversation, Jen, I know we introduced you before, but I would love to just have you share who you are, why you're jumping in um, to the Catalasso group with me and what it means to you. Thanks. Oh gosh. I, I'm a big storyteller, so I have to like really rein myself in. Um, but I'll just give the, the overview and, uh, gosh, I said, if I had to give myself three words that describe my journey, um, I'm not a big title person, but like three words that describe my vocational journey, it would be entrepreneur, lawyer, pastor. Like that is the most odd combination. And I don't think I've ever met another person who has quite that, you know, <laughs> grouping. Um, but that's been my journey. And um, I've always been a person who wanted to make an impact in the world and make an impact in the world being who I am and like bringing myself to the table and um, leaving things better than I found them and um, just doing what I can to influence people as much as possible in a really good way. Um, and so that's been this process of going to college and um, finding myself really attracted to science and inventors and then, you know, trying to figure out how do I make a career out of that and kind of stumbled into patent law as a, as a potential to do that. I went to law school so that I could be a lawyer. I had never planned on being a lawyer. And then while I was in law school, um, I had a huge shift in my faith life. Um, I, I came to a personal knowledge of Jesus um, when I was in my second year of law school. And it kind of shook me because I wasn't sure if um, lawyers could and Christians could coexist in the same body, which is really crazy. Um, but I was kind of had a crisis of identity for a minute. And um, um, but once I encountered Jesus, um, I've never been the same since in a really good way. Uh, he's completely wrecked my life and healed it and saved it. And um, just reinstated me as his. So I took all of that and um, just dove headfirst into the kingdom and into the church and wanted to grow spiritually. 
and in the meantime, I became an attorney and um, went and worked for a couple of firms for a couple of years. I really had always wanted to have my own practice, but I kind of wanted to get my you know experience first. And so then um, after four years, I started my own practice. Um, and I did that from about 2007 to 2017 actively. All that time, I was also doing a lot of volunteer ministry. I got very plugged in with my church. I really grew in my leadership. I was given lots of opportunities on the prayer team and um, on board board position opportunities, uh, a lot of um, leadership development with teams and people and ended up um, being hired and got went on staff at a church. And um, I became a licensed pastor. I was in that role for um, since 2017 to 2019. Um, and then just really felt like the, the assignment was done. And so then I kind of, headed out, not knowing what was next. Um, and I had all this experience and my entrepreneurialism and my pastoral role and my attorney background and was kind of going, okay, God, what are you doing? Um, and then of course I got connected with you mm-hmm. and found out what you were up to with this work of reconciliation in families and in the church. And you were all in a wheelhouse of entrepreneurialism and really feeling the Lord was calling you to open up a business and take this circle Uh, keeping work and bringing it to the world in whatever way he was having you do that. And I just completely connected with uh, what you were talking about. And I saw all of my background converging into this endeavor. And I just went for it with you. And it's been an incredible ride since my goodness, has it, it's been six months. Yeah. It's been six months and, you know, watching it go. Yeah, we totally have. And I think it's so funny. We've talked about this on the phone for those that are listening. But when I first was introduced to Jen, I had stepped out of my pastoral role and she was in a a pastoral position. And I was actually one of the nonprofit partner leaders that was partnered up with the church. When I first met Jen and heard she had um, been a lawyer, I thought like, oh no, (laughs) she's one of those. And And I don't mean that in a negative way, but it was just my experience in the courts that had been so devastating that just, I had this preconceived idea of what a lawyer represented to me, just, just because of my experience. And so I've always appreciated your story, Jen, because I, I've appreciated the, um, kind of the collision of faith. And this like identity crisis that you've talked about, even um, as a patent lawyer, and now kind of transitioning into this work with me, but you have like opened up a concept to me when you were in law school, you talk about how lawyers are trained. Can you unpack that a little bit for folks? Cause I think it kind of, it would be a really beautiful segue to talk about why we do what we do. Absolutely. Okay, so when I went to law school, I had about four years of um, employment in a corporate environment under my belt. I was in research and development. My background is is actually science. Um, And then when I met some of the attorneys that worked at the company I was working at in their um, in-house counsel department and some of their patent liaisons, they were all just corporate people, normal human beings. Um, And I thought, I can do this. I'm really attracted to the work. I'm attracted to the convergence of the idea of protecting uh, like an intellectual asset and working with inventors who are super creative and excited about what they're doing. And so I thought this is going to be great. And so I went to law school. Um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. 
I took the LSAT. Um, I didn't do any of the pre-courses or anything you can do to get prepared mentally for law school. Um, but I just jumped in. Um, and I'm here to tell you that um, a part of the process in, in just the legal world, and it starts with law school, is you really are trained from the beginning to quote unquote, zealously advocate for your client. And what ends up happening is that sounds like a good thing. And it's not that it's not a bad thing to advocate for your client's legal needs but it can turn into a real um, win at all costs mentality. And you really are sort of programmed from day one to get into a dogfight and win. Um, and even negotiations can be really aggressive and really adversarial. It is not collegial. It is not um, cooperative or collaborative. And so kind of right out of the gate, I realized litigation's probably not for me because I am a win-win person. And I kind of, that's part of the identity crisis is I'm questioning, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. In the patent world, you can do transactional work. I've never tried a case. I've never gone to court. Um, but I really had a hard time identifying with my peer group professionally, because then you get out of law school, they kind of like send you through the rigors. They kind of really just break you down. You go take the bar exam, you show up at your graduation and they're all smiling at you and they're so positive and you're like waiting for them to drop a bomb. Cause it's like, you've been, you know, in three to four years of pretty intense, pretty, um, like I said, adversarial environment. And so mm -hmm. I went to work in a law firm. Well, guess what? They're all lawyers there. So it's a lot of adversarial people working together in a fairly high pressure environment. And it's usually not the work that's high stress. It's the environment that's high stress. And so again, it was like, I'm expecting it to be this brotherhood, this sisterhood. Oh, I'm going to take you under my wing and mentor you. And it's going to be great. And you've arrived. And it wasn't that at all. So, um, yeah, it's just been, it's just a really interesting and odd thing that I never really felt like I fit in sort of, and just learning a little bit about the mediation process and, and being a neutral and, and trying to find the win-win, I started to go, aha, maybe there's something here. Maybe I can take all of this background and all of this knowledge and transition it into something that's going to be more aligned with who I am and what's possible. Beautiful. Yep. I, I resonate with what you're saying. I experienced that, um, with my own attorneys that were helping me. Um, they really were zealously advocating, but it really felt like a pit bull fight <laughs> that I got caught up in and the good intentions turned into something I didn't necessarily want. It wasn't who I was. And yet I see what you're saying. And I would imagine a lot of folks that are listening in can also pick up on that. And sometimes that can be very, very helpful. But when it comes to families and the, the needs that they have, um, that usually has been quite counterproductive from what I've picked up on, not only in my own story, but in the lives of others that have been you know, sharing their stories and, uh, with us. And just even in pastoral positions, I know you can relate to that, that um, I remember as I was pastoring, you know, I went through seminary and I remember stepping into my first pastoral role thinking, wait a minute, I know, I know all about like interpreting the Bible and looking up Latin and Greek words, but I don't know the first thing about marrying somebody, you know, burying people and managing like pastoral counseling. There were no tools in my tool set other than telling, um, spouses, like, 
please don't go to court. Don't go to court. It's not going to be a good um, result for what you want. And yet the only option I had was to, you know, look through the yellow pages and find the Christian lawyer that may align with their, with their beliefs, but knowing, knowing fully well what they were about to engage with. Yeah, that's challenging. I, I know, I think when I went into the, my pastoral role, um, I hadn't come from a seminary background, but I had come from just a lot of ministry experience and very like a lot of relationship um, and community driven um, volunteering and growing in my spiritual gifts, understanding what they were. Um, I'm very much naturally wired for counseling people. Um, I love hearing people's stories and I love understanding their journey, wherever they're at in their journey. Um, you know, even in their faith, they might be looking, they might be seeking or questioning or, and, and you want to be able to be a safe place for people to ask questions yeah. and just be very accepting of where they are in their journey. Um, because that's how God is with us. He's very accepting of where we are in our journey, no matter what. Um, and so it felt very natural for me to step in and then to kind of learn some of the other skill sets. I mean, I've been a big Bible reader and I'm a, vor a voracious learner of the word of God. And so just on my own, um, it was fun to take um, the anchors, the word, the words that had been so much to me at different seasons of life that God just really wrote on my heart and bring those into real life situations with people. Mm -hmm. um, and I've really drawn a lot on my marital experience. I've been married for 21 years almost. Um, and I have encountered a lot of couples who just are very disillusioned. Mm. They might be at any season. They might be three years into their marriage. They might be seven to 10 years in where a lot of people get that seven year itch. Um, or they might be, you know, 28, 30 years down the road and life seasons have changed and people have gotten disconnected at the heart um, emotionally. Um, and life is hard. And that can be a, a challenging thing for people to weather. Life can get mundane um, and we can easily take each other for granted because um, of other things that are demanding our time and attention. And so I just was amazed at how often I found myself talking to a, a, a woman or a man who was really struggling and just being able to bring my own personal experience of like, I've had those struggles too. I've, I've been where you are. I've thought about what you're thinking. I've, I have not liked this person that I love <laughs> many, many times, you know? And so it was, it was good to kind of feel like that was a really natural fit for me. Yeah. I, I love what you bring to this work, Jen, because you say and articulate all the things we're all feeling, but you call it out and give it a name and unpack it from your own perspective. I mean, you're just so transparent about your journey and about the things that you've learned over life for, I mean, for me personally, listening to you talk about the journey of life or what you're currently working through has been so impactful for me um, because I'm not necessarily slowing down and asking why, um, but you do that and you offer that in your conversations, which are really gifts to other people. So thank you for what you bring because it's really needed in the work that we're embarking on today. Well, I really appreciate that, Lisa. Thank you. And, um, and I just appreciate, you know, as I've been getting to know you more, how well you, you can go walk through a, a conversation. You are very good at guiding and leading a conversation 
um, and knowing, you know, how to frame things up for people so that they can relax and get comfortable mm. and, um, and just let their guard down. You're very, very good at putting people at ease. And I would say just gaining trust very early on. You're very, very personable and very authentic and calm. And you're great at just leading people from point A to point Z, <laughs> you know, like, here's where we're going and this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to talk about and just opening up the space and also being very transparent about your story and your journey and where you've been and, and why um, you're helping people understand that you can connect with where they are and, and where they've struggled. And so it's very effective and it's really fun to like, I've been very changed by and learned a lot from your process of um, engagement with people and, and me included. Well, thanks, Jen. I appreciate that. Well, I think this is a, maybe a good point to share now what you and I are about to do. Like season two is all about transformative mediation and transformational leadership. And I've in season one, we unpacked like circles. What is it? What the heck does this mean? How does it relate to the Christian faith for those of us that have Christian faith? And then all of like the really tactical um, processes within circles. So people have a reservoir of resources to grab hold of if they want to learn more. But now we're moving into a season as the Catalasso group itself, it's, we're growing. And uh, when you took mediation training, you learned about this term, transformative mediation. And I was like, what? This is a name. This is so helpful for what we do. So why don't you go ahead and unpack that? And if you want, you can share what's happening in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we are... Oh my gosh, we've just been on quite the journey over the last six months. We've been noodling and noodling and noodling on things. And, and last week I had the opportunity to get fully trained um, in family mediation. And um, it was interesting to have the perspective of being trained in circles and learning about circles and practicing circles and then come to the mediation table and see how it's being done traditionally um, to support families who have engaged with the family courts. Um, and are being ordered to mediation first um, because judges don't want you, to, they don't want to hear your case. They want you to resolve it. They don't want to make decisions about custody. They don't want to make decisions about property distribution. They don't want to make decisions about spousal support or child support. They are not interested in helping you divide out, you know, your salt and pepper shakers in your plates. They just don't want to do that, um, which I didn't, had never really heard, but I could understand why. Um, but this transformative mediation, I was so encouraged to hear that there, when I was speaking with one of the instructors and told him what we were doing with reconciliation um, and really trying to bring more than just resolving the assets and the logistics of a, of a relationship and family as it's been to this point ending, that we wanted to do something much more than that. Um, and he was able to tell me that that's actually categorized as transformative mediation. And that it is a term that is being coined in the, in the mediation world. And that gave me hope because people are already open to it. Yes. So what's interesting is we're able to qualify ourselves that way. And people will be able to attach themselves to, okay, that is a thing. Yeah. But we're bringing something so much more than what's even out there now <laughs> because of what we're bringing. 
Um, and I don't, I almost don't know how to like categorize. We're bringing circles, which is about establishing equity in relationship dynamics in a family, in a couple, um, with your kids, with your parents, um, any, any people group you want um, to come with uh, shared values, equity, and equal voices um, to get to a place of reconciliation. Um, so everyone coming to the table in a mediation is at a point where they've, this is probably one of the hardest things they've ever gone through or will go through in their life. Um, even for the people that want it to end, um, if there's still going to be grief, there's still going to be a change in identity, a shift in reality as you know it, um, a kind of a, a death of a life and a new life. And so it's still disruptive. It's still traumatic. Um, and, and so the idea that we're bringing something, we're bringing our faith, we're bringing um, um, the opportunity not only to help families, but to train people who have gone through struggles and have dreams in how to go out into the world and use their pain and their gifts to go and really have an impact in their world. That could be their finances, it could be their career path, it could be their church. Um, there's so much to this. It's almost hard to like pin yeah, it down. You're so right. It's totally true. And I think, uh, yes. So thank you first for explaining transformative mediation. Cause once we found that we are like, yes, we have a name. <laughs> it's like, we've been looking for a, a, a way to describe what we do. And I've been doing mediation mostly through the church for a decade. And yet this process of circles is just I would say it is the most effective way to help people live well together. And when we say reconciliation, you know, for those that have gone through domestic violence or those that have gone through abuse, they're like, no, -uh. nope, we're not reconciling. That's not what we mean here. What we mean is that you can come to a place of reconciliation within yourself. You can find healing. You can go through a process that is going to leave you better <laughs> than more broken. And, and so that reconciliation happens in a way that is most helpful for you. But for parents who really do want to find a way to resolve their conflict and, and co-parent together, this process is so much more superior, far superior than anything else um, that I've ever seen. And and I've been through mediation. I have been through therapeutic environments. I've been in the courts plenty of times. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so this transformative mediation, once we were able to give it a name, I was like, bingo, there we go. It's mediation with a twist using the circle process as the process, as we're working through the various levels of conflict. So yeah. So the cat's kind of out of the bag. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting because I was actually going for a walk with my friend, my neighbor, um, who has participated in some of this work that we've been doing over the last six months. We've had a couple of coaching circles and some different things she's jumped into. And I was trying to, I was asking her, like, can you tell me what, what does this work mean to you? Like, what does it accomplish? And if you look at our website, you'll see the three R words. Okay. And this is what's really exciting. One of the really exciting things about what we're doing here as we're offering transformative mediation for families um, is it's the three words are reconcile, restore and resolve. And so what we realize coming into this scenario is it's up to the family to decide where they are, what they're hoping for and like, and how they can, 
either they can kind of resolve one way or the other, right? It might be that they go through the process and they realize, hey, we might be able to reconcile our relationship as a couple mm-hmm. and keep this marriage going. Now, again, that's up to the that's up to the family. They're going to decide after they go through this process, after they've been given every opportunity um, to heal no matter what and, and leave better than they came in um, to be seen, understood and celebrated. Um, for their uniqueness and their journey and where they've been and where they're going. Um, But it also could go that maybe there is a situation where it is, um, and then maybe there can be restoration, right? And so that can happen. But if in the instances where you've got, um, you've got domestic abuse, or you've got um, some form of abuse, um, or one of the couple, one person in the couple has really emotionally divorced already, and they've moved on, Um, they're ready to be done, Um, then there can be resolution. And so even if it's not going to end, you know, with everyone coming to the table and hugging each other, we want to give people a peaceful resolution that they had total control over the process and they were completely empowered the entire time and that it will be resolved. And so I think I love that it's so holistic that we really are considering all the scenarios and helping people, just facilitating people to where they want to get to um, in a way that they never could have had if they had gone through traditional means of resolving. Completely. I think what, what you and I have designed is the antonym of the adversarial process that exists. It, it sometimes leaks into mediation. Um, well, it does a lot, quite honestly. Um, you add absolutely see adversarial processes within the court structures itself. And when you're hiring a lawyer, even if for well-intended lawyers, there's just this adversarial nature with the other opponent, if you want to call them that. And Jen, yesterday, while we were planning and kind of crafting how this is going to lay out, um, I loved that you replaced adversarial with people walking away, feeling seen, understood, and celebrated because that's what circle does. Circle lifts those up for people to be seen, understood, and celebrated. And they experience love in a sense of community, which I just think is brilliant. I think it's what the world needs. I think it's what families are looking for as they're making decisions for hard circumstances. So yeah, it's really exciting. And you know, we were talking yesterday as well that there will be people who are attracted to this that are unfortunately within the snares of the courts, you know, the lawyers, you know, where, where do they fit into this equation? Because I would have felt in my own circumstance, like I was pinned to a wall (laughs) with, like I can't get out of this hairball of litigation and there's space for those families at our table as well. We've got circle experiences. We've got holistic environments for you to personally walk through a journey of healing with others that have been through your circumstances. We have workshops for families to learn how to do this and offer healing to your children. Like there's, there's room for everyone within the work that we are are embarking on. Um, So Jen, we're going to be launching this like clinic in what? three weeks. Is it three weeks? June 7th, June 7th, June 7th, Jen and I are opening the transformative mediation services to any family 
in America. And you might be thinking like, what? How are you even going to do that? You're in St. Paul. Well, guess what? COVID really did offer a number of blessings for us. You know, when I first started in the journey of a circle, you know, my mentor, Kate Pranis and I have always said, like, we would never, ever consider doing circle virtually. Never. It, it just was like a swear word for us. And uh, COVID pushed us. It forced us to have to offer circles virtually. And what we found is that giving people a virtual experience actually increased their level of safety in particular dynamics where there was high conflict. Um, people could go to a place in their home and sit, be comfortable and participate in circle and find a deeper sense of safety and security to be honest and real. And so we have adapted all of our work to be fully virtual and it's so so effective. I think it's, it could almost be more effective than being in person. And I know for those that do circles, they might be like, are you sure? And I've just really been so blessed by the experience, but really kind of in awe at what people are willing to say when they have their comfortable place on the couch that they get to sit and speak their truth from. So Anything you want to add, Jen, as we kind of tie up our time together, we will just keep going. We'll do a part two next week for folks. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you, I love how you frame this up. And I would say that, okay, so I have only really experienced circle virtually. Oh, that's Since a good point. Yeah, you're right. Training has been virtual. Yep. We had a, we did have a team retreat in February where we were face-to-face. -face. Yep. Um, but all of my experiences and everyone we've coached so far that's engaged in the different offerings we've had um, up to this point, it's all been virtual. Mm -hmm. And it's been extremely transformational. And I think there are absolute advantages. And when I think about the work that we're entering into, and just for some of you out there that are hearing us talk about coming circle and we come around you as a community, um, there are opportunities for couples to do these circles separately. And so yes. in most instances, um, we want each of the two people to feel comfortable to completely disclose everything they need to disclose. Um, it, it might be that they aren't even able to communicate right now, or, um, and maybe they can, but we are absolutely it, kind of intending and planning that we're providing the circle community or they're gonna bring in some of their closest friends and advisors in addition to our facilitative process. And they're going to be able to just be the, the entire center of our focus um, individually. Um, and, and maybe through the whole process, it might be that all the resolution can happen in, in what's called a caucus, but it, for us, it's a circle keeping caucus because we are bringing community around each individual um, of the couple. And yeah. so it will give them that as well. Um, totally. And I think, you know, I think you raised new questions for for folks that um, you heard Jen speak about this idea that you get to bring community. So say you're walking through, I'm going to just use a parent and a teenager who's in high conflict as an example, but we can do divorce. I mean, we can do any type of family conflict here. So if you have a parent and a teenager who are just buttonheads, like therapy's not working, they're not following the rules, whatever, a mediation process could be very helpful. Um, but part of what's unique about what we're offering is rather than having one mediator, you're getting a team. So Jen and I are partnering together and we've got other 
family mediators there. We're teaming up. And so for the cost of what you'd be paying for a lawyer, you're getting an entire team supporting your family. And the, the result will be that you're probably not going to have to go into the courts in the future. It's going to save you a lot of pain in the future, but you also get to bring your wise counsel into the conversation. If you were going through a divorce and uh, let's say you guys are comfortable being in the space together, you guys would be choosing who are the wise counsel that you go to in your life. They should be a part of the transformative mediation process as well as Jen and I. And so Jen and I will be facilitating all of the process. You select and invite your wise counsel. We call them the wise counsel because we think, you know, everyone pretty much has them, but if you don't, then we've got volunteers and some of our staff who can jump in and support you as well. So you won't do it alone, which is also a unique attribute of how to do conflict well, rather than doing it in isolation, which you think about the family courts, you think about mediation, it's pretty isolating. It's very lonely. It's very scary. And in transformative mediation, having a team around you sharing their own stories of battle wounds, it, it lightens your load. It invites creativity and um, you get to create a new future based on all the stories that you heard um, rather than um, fighting for what you think you need and kind of shutting down. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's really interesting because mediation uh, in large part, the traditional form of mediation is very focused on just resolving the logistics. And yeah. so it isn't about community support. It isn't about um, taking into consideration your emotional well-being or what your story is or what you came here with or why things broke. Um, it is literally about you know, figuring out assets, figuring out child um, parenting time and child custody, like laying it out on paper. And those are things that if it comes to that in the end, we will help you do. But it can be done more quickly when you've addressed the humanity first and you've gotten into the story and you understand the family dynamics and you understand what's in the way, where are the obstacles and where is the common ground? Most of the time, the common ground is your kids. You you love your kids and you just want them to know that it's not their fault and that you're there for them no matter what. And you're going to be co-parenting for the rest of your lives. (laughs) So, you know, we're coming at it from like, we want you to be, we want you to have a legacy of reconciliation and healing and hope where there would, would otherwise have not been hope. Um, And so that is, it is so different. And it, and it also, this form transformative mediation also addresses the logistics Absolutely. Um, it's just, you're not left with all the gaping wounds and the trauma. It's, it's different. Yep. Well, I think Jen, this is a great place to end. I do want to just add a reminder for those that are listening and thinking like, yeah, this is like wonderful. I'm already stuck in litigation. You know, there, again, there's room for you at our table because this is about um, building a legacy of reconciliation and restoration. And we know that what you are walking through is causing destruction in relationships. It's causing really intense emotions. And we would just encourage you to check out the resources we have because you can jump in to the the work that we are inviting folks into because you will do it in your own household and with the relationships that you have um, the greatest amount of influence over, which tends to mostly be your children. 
So I, I've often told Jen that uh, if I had had something um, like this in the early days of all of the litigation with child abuse and then the grandparent litigation, I think I would have been miles ahead of where I am today. This type of an opportunity is, it's available now. And so say yes, if, um, if you feel like you're being nudged to check us out. So we'll jump into the actual process. How about that next week? Jen, does that sound fair? We'll just unpack from start to end of what we're doing within transformative mediation. So people have a good idea. I love it. That sounds great. Great. Well, thanks for listening in friends. And Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. We'll see you next week. Hey friends, thanks for joining us today. If you need help with conflict in your household, family, or marriage, we invite you to go to our website at thecatalassogroup.com. We offer all of our transformative mediation services virtually so that we can help as many families as possible across America. If you happen to be in existing litigation with a special someone who just wants to fight, I've been in your shoes, I understand what it's like, and I have environments specially crafted for you in mind. So check out our website at thecatalassogroup.com and see what fits for you. We'll see you next week.